Welcome. Yeah, well, thank you very thank much. You for coming here. This, this is this is a lot of fun. Everybody, we have Carlos Alasraki, and uh, you picked Los Cochinos. Los Cochinos. I mean, I also grew up with the Bill Cosby record when I was mm-hmm. very, very young. Bill Cosby is a very fun fellow, the of famous course. Nova Fuba. Fuba. <laughs> Here's a guy on his way to work. I always remember like <laughs> that whistle he did. <laughs> hey, you want to move this out of my driveway? I gotta go to work. I can't. Well, you want to tell me what this is for? I can't. You want to give me a hint? I can't tell you. How long can you tread water? Ha ha ha. I remember that. Yeah. And he whoop, turned around. Whoop, in his pocket turned around. It was a midget. Took all these karate lessons. And I remember all that stuff. But Los Cochinos was formative because it was sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was 12 years old. or that, And I moved to Fresno, California. And I, I, I believe that maybe this was one of the few records that I got that wasn't an influence of my older brother and none of us were in the drugs or smoking pot sure or just the, the comedy per se but we just we got the, uh, Big Bamboo was the other one mm-hmm. I remember we didn't have Big Bamboo or uh, we did have the other one the uh, uh, the, uh, the Big Pill it was a big uh, oh, uh, the red one yeah technical women's alert team <laughs> the team the twat <laughs> oh god, it was a druggy, the sleeping pill, the big red beauty or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big red beauty, I think it was called. Sounds right. Yeah. But uh, Los Cochinos, I remember, and I remember the pull out when your wife pulled, uh, gave me this. I remember, yeah, pulling it out, and then on the other side was all the marijuana, uh, you know, buried inside the door. And, and <laughs> this album just feels—it's a time capsule, man. It just feels like I'm back home. We used to have Magnavox stereo, mm-hmm. two speakers, and a turntable. Not even a cassette, sure. You know? And uh, I used to listen to this album on that, just laid by the speakers. And um, yeah, wasn't into pot, never yeah. have smoked pot. Um, but there was something about these these characters that, I, yeah, that, that's a lost artist creating. Because uh, it, it wasn't stand up, it was sketch. Yeah. And I had some Python records. This this sure. uh, record have been designed specifically to fit exactly over your record holder. <laughs> Welcome to version B, the executive board, the executive version. <laughs> um, but I had a couple of Python records, yeah. but that was after this. Los Cochinos were very formative for me. Six years old, 12 years old, pre, pre-middle school, awkward adolescence, mm-hmm. and here were these guys, you know. I just saw the, the sketch, Jabornik. Jabornik, what that? I don't know. Look like dog shit? Yeah. Smell like dog shit? Yeah. Taste like dog shit? Yeah. Taste. No. Pick up. No. Pick up. Taste. Taste. Taste like dog shit? Yeah. Good thing I don't step in it. It's like an old vaudeville joke dressed up in Jabornik. You know, 30 days of night with Josh Hartnett, you know, some vampire thing. And Dr. Stadenko, everything up his nose, it goes. And it, it all comes flooding back, and it's yeah. something that I've completely compartmentalized. But I actually worked with Cheech Marin on a movie called Brothers Garcia in uh, in Mexico. Jeff Valdez produced a series called The Brothers Garcia. Mm-hmm. They go to Mexico. Me and a comic named Phil Van T played these bumbling idiots, a la you know uh, 101 Dalmatians, Cruella Deville's sidekicks. Okay. You imbeciles! And we were working for Cheech Marin's character, who uh-huh. steals an ancient codex out of a, uh, a pyramid. And uh, but working with Cheech Marin, you know, oh, who I grew up amazing. listening to. Very nice guy. He was out there with a pitching wedge every day out in front of his bungalow, just mm-hmm. practicing pitches. And 
talking about buying Chicano art and talking about the beginning of Chichen Chong. Mm -hmm. Both of them were draft dodgers. I mean, uh, Tommy Chong was Canadian already living right. in uh, Vancouver, and Chong was like, I fucking, dude, I wanted to get out of the fucking war. So we went, I met this guy, and we were doing improv in a strip club. They let the strippers go up, and then we would like do our improv. Oh my God. And we like sometimes included them. They, they fucking sucked. <laughs> And he goes, I remember Tommy, Tommy was like, his brother was like really strong and he was like a bouncer for us. And one day we lived on the second floor and one day he threw this guy off the second floor into a dumpster, man. He was fucking weird. But, you know, it was just sort of a Woodstocky hippie instead of music. It was comedy. Yeah. It was, and you could see that this album, while appearing to be just two guys goofing around, it's kind of tightly produced, you know. Yeah. Class, class, will you shut? Yeah, Gio, Sestura. Class, can anybody guess what this substance is? Pot, Acapulco Gold, homegrown. Oh, it's Michoacan, man, it's Michoacan. Homegrown. Why, Sestura, they do seem mighty well informed. Oh, they are, they are. Why, just last week I gave out 15 holy cards. I used to repeat that not even knowing what it was. Of course, yeah. And there's a sketch on here, because I got in trouble with sixth grade, we're eating dinner in Fresno, and this... We're eating something, and my brother goes, "This tastes like this tastes like," and I'm like, "Gonorrhea." <laughs> Are you tired of the steady drip, 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 drip of gonorrhea? I think that's the plumbing one. Yes, it is. Peter Reuter. Peter Reuter. Yeah, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and as my daughter walks by in her um, Rapunzel princess, she went to princess uh, camp. That's amazing. And I'm wondering if. There's things now that my three-year-old daughter will see. Mm -hmm. One day we were flipping through the channel. I love The Exorcist. I'm an Exorcist so file. Counted the steps at Georgetown. There's 72, by the way. And they added 18 for the stuntman so he could jump out the window and not have to hurl a long distance. But we were watching the scene where Regan is flapping back and forth on the bed, done by practical makeups. Mm -hmm. Make it stop! Make it stop! She's like, that's funny. Play it again. I'm like, okay. <laughs> this has got to stop. But this was the type of thing. This record was the type of thing that just hit my sweet spot. I just loved that the driving. I just was even before we talked about Los Cochinos. I was talking about the driving thing with somebody else. Like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, how many of there are you? Uh, like, uh, okay, like there's like one or two. And like, there's like, there's, there's like me and him. Like we're just together. I mean, we're not like together. <laughs> uh, like, uh, and, and so there's just the two of us. That'll be one dollar. And then they're all trapped hey man it's raining out here man it's ooh it's pink he, he like uh, what was the bit uh, ladies and gentlemen everybody in this room have a one kilo and the name of that kilo is ladies and gentlemen snack bar open on the 15 minutes after that is close for ending then they had him oh my back teeth are floating hope the speaker reaches pesta <laughs> and he farts inside the car but you really it took me to this trunk full of people yeah. that are at a drive-in and Cheech is pissing on the hood <laughs> and you know somebody and going to the snack bar man going to the snack bar I never knew that these guys were high on drugs yeah. it didn't even occur to me that was irrelevant to me it just painted a world to me where they were in the classroom they were in a courtroom I said judge I was home in bed he said judge that man's lying I've been framed <laughs> and then basketball Jones the, the song basketball Joe got a basketball Joe it just occurred to me that these guys were fucking up and cutting up with no planning whatsoever and creating all these worlds that my mind went to yeah. and I was in it yeah. and 
you could say that that's what led to my stand-up comedy career. That and Carol Burnett, you know, wanted mm-hmm. to do sketch, but I remember that did yeah, that this. I could even before she pulled it, I saw this album cover in my head, the sort of off mint green with the cactuses in the background and the pot in the door. It's like it hasn't. It doesn't look foreign to me. It looks like this is mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what's so cool about vinyl. And now that I see the back cover where they're all dressed up like women, <laughs> and it didn't occur to me that one guy was Mexican and the other guy was sort of Canadian, Asian, mm-hmm. uh, whatever hybrid that he was. Yeah. It, I, it's just two guys that were funny. Yeah. It, like the Three Stooges to me. So, mm-hmm. But I listened to this album probably four days a week. It's awesome. And I had it memorized. It was so good. Yeah. Were you doing it for friends or were you repeating it? I friends? was. Yeah. I, absolutely. I was imitating everything, you know. Dr. Stadenko. Stadenko? What was his name? Dr. Stadenko. Up there's, the, uh, there's Sergeant Stadenko, and then there's Doc, oh, fuck. Doctor. Okay. Now I can't remember the name of the doctor. Yeah, Sar- Do- yeah Sergeant Stadenko, and mm-hmm. yeah, up his nose it goes. The white world of sports, Chibotanic Les Morpions, the drive-in. 12 minutes and 44 seconds. That's the other thing about this album is like we, you know, I discussed this album with uh, Dan Back at all. This is the one he picked and he just kind of did track by track, nothing biographical, autobiographical too much. But yeah, it's the one thing that kind of blew our minds is neither of us realized it was a 13 minute track. Yeah, you know? the drive-in bit. And it's really, again, like you said, beautifully produced, like really beautifully produced, which I did not realize Lou Adler produced this yeah. and most of their stuff. Like Lou Adler, who's so famous for doing as many wonderful music things as he did. I think this is his only comedy, and he just put so much effort into it. And recorded at Andre Studios in Montreal. That's right. And then Electric Lady Studios, New York City, A&M Studios, Hollywood. So different studios. You know, to me as a kid, it's just that I went, they went in a room and turned on a mic and made these things up. And I, my brother and I used to do little sketches like that, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, we would do. We would, I would announce ping pong. Mm-hmm. It was all based on being able to verbally create a world when you were there. When you, but not carefully writing it. We would just sure these guys had obviously, and I guess and at this point they had been doing these um, bits on stage before. Mm-hmm. Okay, starting to think. Off his nose it goes. It's a Jewish doctor, and I didn't realize they were making fun of Jewish people. Well, no, I didn't either. That was the thing we talked about on the, uh, the last time that, that I we had no idea. Up his nose, it dulls. Right. He's got four, four locks up his nose. Listen. <laughs> Just last week, I put four portraits up his nose. What's his name? I guess it's, it's killing me. It's escaping me. I have a vinyl player. I should have brought it in here. We can go to the, in the other room and play it. But, um, yeah, I remember... I remember... When I just saw Chabornik, I go, of course, Chabornik. Now, it's funny looking at these titles. I don't remember every... The Evelyn Woodhead Speed Reading Course. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Strawberry Revival Festival, I don't remember, but I remember Dave. Dave's not here. Of course, of course. Um, Pedro and the Man. I'm curious, too, like... As far as voices, I mean, no, I think we, uh, nobody's going to turn to Tommy Chong for, for uh, voice flexibility, but Cheech is pretty damn great. Yeah, you know, was. so many voices. Shut up! <laughs> yeah, the name of Aquila is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, up his nose it goes, Jabornik, what that? Oh, that's a, and the Basketball Jones song is actually not too bad. 
No. You could have. It could have been in, in He Got Game, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah. So here's these guys going to Canada, smoking the Canada weed, super high all the time. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Fishbone. But putting together an album that a straight kid that, in, in terms of not my sexuality, that's a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it? <laughs> um, but no drugs, no nothing. I was an athlete. I was yeah. a jock. I certainly wasn't into theater per se, but bought into this. You know, yeah. it just got in my wheelhouse. And, uh, and obviously paved the way for a career where you could be an adult and still act like a kid. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it, it has segued into all, all kinds of other stuff. Um, but, um, God, yeah, I... I love that drive-in bit. And it kind of made me want to go to the drive-in, mm-hmm. you know, and sneak people in. We snuck in to see uh, Roy Scheider's movie. It was not. It was The Seven Ups. Okay. Yeah. One of the first breasts I ever saw on film <laughs> through a corrugated fence in Fresno in 74. And it was probably because I listened to this album. You know, I wanted to go sneak in. And uh, we did sneak in. We didn't have speakers because we didn't have a car. We just sure. snuck in through the fence. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could see. It. I could really see the world where they were. You know. Did you buy it yourself, or was it given to you? I, I as I said, my brother usually like got all the music that I listened to. He was mm-hmm. three, two and a half years older. I want to say that I bought this myself, and maybe because it was recommended by a friend at high school or uh, in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. But my, certainly my parents didn't buy it for me. Right. So right. I, I think I had this fifth grade going into sixth grade. What year is this, by the way? Cause oh, jeez. It, it is 1970, copyright 1973. There so yeah, go. I would have been 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So that that's right on point. 73 is when The Exorcist comes out, the aforementioned Exorcist mm-hmm. comes out the same year as well. Coincidence? I don't think so. No, clearly P- Pazuzu, there's a Pazuzu bit on here if you play it backwards. But... Um, yeah, I, I don't think I had... Like I said, I grew up with the Bill Cosby album because, you know, we... That's what your parents had. That's what my parents had. Very clean. We grew up watching Bob Newhart and Carol Burnett. Sure. And uh, as, in terms of late night shows, all in the family. So there was nothing really approaching the gonorrhea, making fun of Jewish people, making fun of racist racial stereotypes. Sure. Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing bordering on that. So I don't know how... This felt like a dirty secret. I, I remember my parents not liking it. And certainly after that, when I said gonorrhea, it was that classic, you know, drop the fork, clang, food falling out of the mouth. What did you just say? Gonorrhea. Isn't that funny? I didn't know what gonorrhea was. Right. It's just a keyword. Are you said you were tired of sitting of gonorrhea? <laughs> Do you remember the first uh, Did you ever have the opportunity to like sort of use one of these voices like one that was like I mean you probably have them without realizing it just stored up right yeah um that high pitch class I just last week yes you know everybody's used that one did it my left um I've used that one and yeah you know if you're doing a stone dude Mm-hmm. For sure, it's going to be Tommy Chong, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never did, man. I never did, man. Yeah, what's that from? Is that from the courtroom one? I uh, never did, man. I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never did, man. I never did, man. <laughs> I think it's the courtroom one. I think so. I didn't get to listen to it either beforehand. This is, yeah. This is the issue. <laughs> that, that's okay. I didn't want to because I wanted to... 
see what remember it how I remembered it in sort of pieces and fragments and what really stood out I mm-hmm. mean, from from that point of view I, I don't know if other podcasts have gone this way but that it, it comes back because I wanted to treat it in a way that it was organically compartmentalized and see what came back. Yeah. And like I said, that uh, the other night I was doing that line. The name of Aquila is, ladies and gentlemen, it's not part of another 50 minutes. Apparatus plus for ending. And that, that'll be, my brother and I used to repeat that all the time. So like, there's one or two, that'll be one dollar. You know, they're haggling over 50 cents per person and they got eight people in their trunk. Mm-hmm. You know? Did you, would you know what your next comedy album was after this? It probably was Big Bamboo because okay. somebody had suggested it. Okay. And Sleeping Beauty was the name of that there album. There you go. Yep. Yes. Technical Women's Alert Team. Dropped. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant either. Of course. Of course. Well, that's the one thing about, like, again, I wasn't a stoner either, but I, I grew up loving this stuff. And I, I always sort of tried to think, like, what drew it, drew me to it. And I'm still not sure if it was the voices more or if it was the characters more. I want to say the characters because it sounds high-minded, but I, it might be the right thing. You would have been older than I was. When I, when I first discovered it, yeah, I was 13 when I first heard it. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, 20 years ago when I first heard it, so. You know, so, right, yeah. But, yeah, it, but it, during a different decade. Sure. Because this was the 70s. Mm-hmm. This was as we were going from the 60s into the 70s and the counterculture of San Francisco and in Stanyan Street and Haight-Ashbury, and I was a kid in suburban Concord, California, who was going to move at least for one year to Fresno, California, while my dad was a librarian and my mom was switching over to uh, the seminary, mm-hmm. and a, straight, you know, a jock, a swim team, paper route, played football, I had no leanings towards being dramatic or anything, yeah. aside from watching it on TV. Right. And so, this... Since I was a kid, always pretending to be somebody else in my head, that this just like I said, it okay. just man, it struck a chord. More sense. so because I wasn't seeing it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't seeing. It. I was watching Monty Python on TV. So when I later translated to the album, I could already picture this. I didn't know what these guys looked like. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was them, and I was, and I was still trying to picture who was doing which voice on the thing. I had never seen them. Yeah. But I didn't go on to see Up in Smoke. Sure. Uh, by that time, I had grown out of it. Right. Right. You know, um, and, and like I said, I didn't know Cheech and Chon, Chi, and I always call it Chichi Chon. Mm-hmm. We didn't say Cheech and Chon. I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know it was a Mexican ah. and uh, possibly a French Canadian guy living in Montreal. You know, I had no idea. It was just these two guys. I don't really think I know what Los Cochinos meant, and now of course it means pigs, uh-huh. which is ironic because that's what they would call the people that would be searching <laughs> for their drugs. But, mm-hmm. um, it's like an old, you know what it is? It's really kind of sappy and um, schmaltz of it. It's like seeing an old friend. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a seeing a babysitter because it, quite literally, it was a babysitter. It kept me, you know, where's Carlos? Well, he's not outside doing drugs or anything. He's stuck by the stereo, flipping the, the, the 33 RPM thing over and over again. I would sit there and listen to it and turn it over and listen to it again. It's so good. So it was my, it was my babysitter and it did, it did. It took me to the drive-in. I know what... It was a it was a Friday night. It was like seven thirty p.m. It was dark outside. It was the summer. I'm there, you know, and the classroom. I can you know you see the classroom. You see the courtroom setting. Doctor, I still want to get that name. 
there, there's the, the interesting thing too is like in listening to these, obviously using your imagination, you you have this whole picture in your head, and you were talking earlier about a thing that I think a lot of comedians did, and I know I did as a kid. You recorded your own sketches, but yeah. in your head, what's great is they're as well produced as everything you just heard on that. Yeah, album. you know, is you've absorbed this, and you really think you're just translating to everybody. You do not appreciate what's being obviously. You're not going to appreciate what's being put into the album, as far as every you're concerned. Anybody who listens to this be like, oh, this is just as good as cheap. <laughs> yeah, you know, the the closest we've come to approximating that now as an adult is on Mondo Media still mm-hmm. on YouTube. You can look up Off the Curb, and my wife sound edited it. Mm-hmm. Edited it. it. Um, I got John DiMaggio, Gary Anthony Williams, Cedric Yarbrough, Frantata Short, Eric Bowser, myself. The premise is to do the right thing. Four black guys sitting at a table on the sidewalk. Filipino bakery owner and they start arguing just like they would have do the right thing mm-hmm. and it came off a riff with John DiMaggio and I when we were doing El Tigre mm-hmm. which was created by Jorge Gutierrez who is now producing and directing Book of Life which comes out mm. in Halloween I'm in that yeah plug awesome but uh, that looks amazing we just started riffing because we're white and we like to play black guys and he said <laughs> man man you Frankenstein whoop Dracula's ass oh hell no man Frankenstein, he he's dead already, and then like he'd be asleep, and, and Dracula would sneak up on him and, and, and bite him in the neck. Oh hell no! Frankenstein would walk up and punch Dracula in the mouth. And so we thought that's a great riff. Uh-huh. And so let's add a whole cast. Yeah. Let's add me as a Filipino bakery owner who's uh, all these these guys are always outside mm-hmm. and they are not paying for the bill, but they are my customers, and I have to ask them, please don't swear for the other guy. Fuck off. And they never get my name right. Uh-huh. And what we did is we turned this, we called it Monster Track at first, because that was the first sketch. It was basically 57 minutes of let's start with, let's have John DiMaggio start off with, and it's like I was telling you last time that Frankenstein will whoop Dracula's ass. All oh, hell no. That ain't gonna help me. Let, let me tell you why. Frankenstein's got two smelly bolts stuck in his neck. And first of all, ah, hell no, Willie. Frankenstein will come up on Dracula and punch him right in the mouth. And then Fred Tattershirt chimes in. First of all, first of all, I, I have to correct you, gentlemen. It's not Frankenstein. Frankenstein is the name of the doctor. The Frankenstein is not the monster's name. The monster's name is Tomas. Tomas? Man, I ain't gonna let no motherfucker mention the monster's name. Tomas whoop my ass. Hell no. If there was a monster named Laser or Fligo, I'd be running from that shit. And, and it just, all improv, yeah. all jazz, yeah. going all different directions. My wife got it down to three minutes. Uh-huh. And it, it is great. You're like listening to these guys go back and forth. That, even the 57 minute jazz version is pretty good. Yeah. But what we needed was what it was they had was to refine it, yeah. edit it, put it down to make it look like those bits came up on top of each other. There were some that did, mm-hmm. but that was as close as I've come to, aside from recording my stand-up or something sure, or selling sure. a DVD, but that the stand-up is not sketches per se. They're sketches mm-hmm. in your head. Yeah. This was a five-person, and then Eric, Eric Bowser came in later and played, my wife, Alerta, man, what's your favorite... What's your, what's your favorite Halloween candy? I like the Cadbury, eh, y'all? <laughs> and then, uh, I, can, I, I made chocolate bananas. This is uh, chocolate bananas. This is my wife, Alerta. Holy shit, Alerta. And she's like a knockout blonde with fake breasts. And uh, I, can, I can show you how I can eat a banana in one. I can swallow it. Hold on, Alerta. I gotta get my cell phone out, you know? Oh, Hold on. Now, now look, I'm going to... 
Ah, do you like it? Oh my god. And you know, we created this audio world, first of all, where people heard it and they're laughing, and yeah. then we added the animation. Right. So we were able to do those kinds of things with the skilled voiceover actors, certainly not as kids. We didn't approach that like you said. But the closest we came is when we're at very recently, a couple years ago, I'm trying to re uh, recreate that again. Uh, when we did it, we engineered it, we edited it, and then added animation. But I think it was because of these types of uh, experiences that I had listening to this that I had some sort of an idea or a skill set to approximate what these guys were yeah, doing. Yeah. And it's so rare. You don't see albums, comedy albums anymore. You know, you could you could you do Mr. Show with Bob and uh, Bob Odenkirk and oh my gosh, and David Cross and David Cross and, and make it work album? right? Yeah, without I know. the visuals, that's very difficult. I've been wondering that myself. You know, I don't know. That was what was so brilliant about that. You could be blind mm -hmm. and appreciate this album because they created the world for yeah. you, and that's a skill that that that's missing. And um. I think you can. I'm very proud of that. If you listen to the audio, the finished audio, or even the the jazz audio of Off the Curb, mm -hmm. granted, they don't take you to specific situations like a doctor's office, sure. or this is just guys at a table, but hopefully they're, they're letting you paint pictures in your head. Yeah. And that, that's what's underrated about that, you know? To get a kid that's not a stoner, that's not an actor, that's a total jock to paint pictures in his, in his head, to get you to paint pictures in your head when you heard it. It's a pretty, pretty damn good skill. It's one of those things where the, the, I know, and I don't know why, but this was the peak of it because radio had its own day, but it was a, it was definitely complicated. Obviously, one dude or one lady there with you know a bunch of wooden doors and shit to clang around to make awesome noises. And yeah, it's great. doing it live, which is a skill that nobody has anymore. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say nobody can do that. Then there's this where you have all the money in the world or whatever and you have all these skills and you get to put it together in a, in a room and it's pre-digital but once we're digital once most comedy albums are stand-up yeah. albums gone almost yeah. almost entirely there's a podcast called Super Ego that's great but that's about the only thing right now that's out there doing this yeah I, I would I would love to to tune into something like that it's something that approximated live is a thrilling adventure hour with Ben Acker and Ben Black sure. and you know their cast and Paula Tompkins and uh, Paget Brewster and all the guest celebrities. I've done about five or six. You know, we take you back now to the elder days with the Work Juice Players. So good. The slide was on the live band with mm -hmm. Andy Paley, and uh, yeah, that can approximate it. But yeah, to hear something, it almost makes it, it inspires me to want to do stuff like that again and and, and try that. Now that I'm adult, mm -hmm. now that I have that skill, is maybe to could I write something weekly? You know, this was this took a lot of. Obviously, they recorded at a lot of different studios. Yeah, yeah. But again, I'm not sure, and I would have to go back check. I don't know if they were doing these bits already on stage. Right, and I don't know. I don't know. That I don't know, or if the stage show came after that. And I also want to know who polished it. If it was Lou Adler saying, "Guys, you're all over the fucking place. Why don't you try this?" But I don't know if he's a comedy guy at all. I don't know. He might just be like, "Here's what sounds brilliant. You guys do the comedy." I. I, yeah, I'm trying to get him on the podcast to ask him that very question. I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah, what was a 12 minute and 44 second finish bit? What did that start as? Right. right. Did they just smoke a bowl and go, dude, remember that fucking time we went to the drive-in? We had at least two fucking sketches, and then I'll pretend right. I farted, and you go out of the car, and you gotta go to the snack bar, and then I'll fucking pee on the trunk. <laughs> they taught me how to do that. <laughs> 
thing too is like there's this sort of joy in doing these voices where I think there's a PC contingent and I might at one point have counted myself among them that's just like oh don't do that voice you're not that color you're not allowed to do that voice or you didn't grow up in a certain culture you're not allowed to. but they, they don't do it in any they're not trying to be offensive they're just like here's a fun voice to do which is a very vaudeville thing to do sort of I think it's it not, is very vaudeville you know I, I remember doing a stand-up at the Holy City Zoo, and I did a bit about going to United Savings, which is right next door to the Holy City Zoo on 5th and Clement, and there were Chinese guys, and I literally would have a language problem. They, hey, Mr. Carlo, you, Mr. Mr. Ala, Mr. Uh, oh, Mr. We'll call you Carlo. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, man, I drew $20 of the ATM. I didn't draw any money out of my ATM, and it's showing that I made a withdrawal. Can you fix that? Oh, yeah, you can use the ATM anytime you want. And I remember doing the bit and somebody going, you know, that's kind of racist. And I go, well, I'm not trying to be. I'm just trying to recreate what I saw. I didn't say, oh, I'm a bad driver. I don't know how to drive. I'm so bad at driving and I like to squeeze my eyes and right. I have buck teeth. I'm saying, no, this is what the person sounded like. Yeah. But in that age of PC, I, mean, I wasn't allowed to do it. I was yeah. like, whoa, I, I don't remember that being a problem before. I, you know, obviously there's uh, Mickey Rooney and uh, what... Uh, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's. You keep on the down! Now that is another thing. Yes, entirely. For me to say what I heard and what I saw, you know, it, it's interesting because I grew up, my best friend's parents were from Scotland, John and Mary Henning, you know, I grew up listening to that and all those characters out of the house and nobody has a problem with that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. You can see they were stereotypical characters, you know, um, but it's interesting. Yeah, these guys were completely free from that, mm-hmm. and you know they did have interactions. You know, again, I didn't know what a Jewish person was in Concord, California, sure. uh, and it never even occurred to me until I was older. It's like, oh yeah, God, they're making fun of Jews. He's sticking it up his his big nose. Uh huh. You know, oh wow, wow, now, man, I guess, but they didn't care, that's like, no, the fuck, dude, it's fucking, it was probably part and parcel, or an effect of them being in Canada, where it didn't matter. Right. Canadians are like, have a Labatsi, mm-hmm. we all make fun of each other, so right. don't worry about it, you yeah. know? Yeah, You don't, don't worry, uh, we're sorry if you're offended. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe they were free from some sort of American political correctness, but in 73, you know, you could do the horror me- movies where Regan was shoving a cross and saying the C word. Mm-hmm. She's like, ah, do you know what she did, your cunting daughter? <laughs> you know, that's what the reality was. Right. You know, you you imagine that dialogue now would be probably even worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you would probably have people protesting yeah. somebody saying that now. And in 73, we're just like, yeah, we're opening up to the sexual, more to the sexual revolution. And they were, that, that was part of the 73 era maybe and that's what was beautiful about it you know yeah. and obviously somebody like me listened to it and that didn't I remember I'm going to go off on a tangent but I listened to Judas Priest too and I remember the movie Dream Deceivers mm-hmm. uh, where the kids blew, up, blew off their face one kid oh, tried to and uh-huh. beautiful film and all these lyrics of uh, Beyond the Realms of Death and, and I listened to that fucking shit yeah you know, it has nothing to do with it. I listen to Cheech and John. I'm not walking around saying, gonorrhea and all these nose of girls. It was just comedy. Yeah. You know, so it'd be silly. Now, in 2014, we've regressed. You know, there's half the country that wants to go back to the way it used to be. Sure. And and I think that permeates into the arts. Um, getting off on a tangent, but 
that was what was so beautiful about it. Mm-hmm. That they could say this stuff to a suburban kid, and I would find it funny. Yeah. I didn't, like I said, I didn't say gonorrhea at the dinner table. That's <laughs> probably what they wanted to happen. Yeah. And yeah. then they got a little smack on the hand. I was like, then let me go look, look up and see what that is. Oh, okay, that's not nice to say, but... Sounds funny. Did they do a play off that song when you're sliding in the third gonorrhea? I don't. Gonorrhea. Not in that. They did no, not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, but um, I just, I don't know why. Again, it's like an old friend because as a kid that was a latchkey kid, it was either watch cartoons after school and or do this. Yeah. And this took the place of cartoons. This was more adult than cartoons. Sure. And it sustained and suspended my attention for, like I say, an hour, an hour and a half. I'd flip it over and mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. I, know, I think so too. You know, it, like, we always, I always like to ask, like, so if there, right now, actually, if there's an 11 year old, you should not be listening to my podcast. Actually, it's fine. Go ahead. But your parents are maybe not that great. But still, if you're listening to my podcast, great. Now, if there's an 11-year-old listening to this, why should this 11-year-old somehow seek out this album? 11-year-old should seek out this album because it'll expand in whatever direction it does go. It will expand your imagination and your brain. Yeah. If it takes you down a dark path, then follow that. See what that does for you. <laughs> I don't submit that it will right. that's why you should because get off the iPad my freaking daughter's three years old and she's addicted to it oh, no. because you fuck do I eat or do I do I go to the bathroom or do I sleep what do I do well the iPad will give me 20 minutes with which to decide <laughs> um, yeah get off the cell phone get off the iPad put on either and don't put on a vinyl Listen to the crackle of the record. I had some old Studio One ska stuff, mm-hmm. some John Lee Hooker. Uh, my neighbor was selling a boxed set of Johnny Cash. I didn't even like Johnny really? Cash, but I had to have it. Oh, shit. You know, Folsom Prison Blues. That's amazing. Uh, she's got rhythm. She's got rhythm. And it just, mm-hmm. this will take you gone to a bygone era that's that's no, you know, it's fading. It's a time capsule. It's, it's fading quickly. Yeah. So the, an 11-year-old should embrace what preceded the internet and, and see where everything came from. It's like, it's an archaeological dig. Definitely. Definitely. You know, um, she, my daughter watches Annie and I, uh, I hated musicals until I had a daughter and mm-hmm. we watched the John Huston version with uh, Tim Curry and Alan oh, Finney sure. and Carol Burnett and uh, one of the scenes is uh, Ray Bolger, the scarecrow, is doing the Yes, He's doing the sound effects in mm-hmm. the... This is our Daddy Warbucks and we're looking for a girl's parents and... <whistles> Peter Marshall to doing the old slide whistle on the radio plays and stuff. Shit. Yeah. And it's awesome how yeah. we just used to... That's what this is. Mm-hmm. That That's what this drew from. Yeah. Radio plays. An adult, contemporized, 73, drug-influenced, drug-riddled radio play that because of their imagination still like I said and reiterate captured the mind of of a 11 year old 12 going on 12 year old suburban kid that probably wanted to be a little darker than I was because I was a jock and I was a good kid and had a paper out and wow this is kind of really cool it's my little secret that's awesome comedy ruined you that's good it did ruin me yeah it transported me and I think it it gave me it was was one of the influences for me to do characters yeah you know 
And I think like, like, hey, fucker. Like now when I do, hey, fucker, fucking Lakers. Or if I do a voiceover and they want like an East LA, I could trace it back to sure. Cheech Marin. You know? Yeah. And now here's this guy who was on Nash Bridges and, you know, went through a lot of divorces and and he buys Chicano art now, you know. Mm-hmm. He was, and I remember he just told me the story. We were just sitting out in, uh, we were in Chichen Itza in the, in the, in the Yucatan doing the movie and just one day and he, he wasn't stunned he just told me I'm like how did you guys start he said yeah dude I, I went to get away from the war and I ran into this guy in Vancouver and this is how it all went down I like, wow I go oh, dude I used to listen to your albums I was one of those guys yeah of course, of course people sure. come up to me I, you, I grew up watching rock I was like I'm the old guy now but <laughs> Cheech Marin was the, my guy yeah. you got no idea and he, like, he was like kind of flattered you know that's awesome um, so uh, yeah it's lovely I think more than any stand-up record, like I said, I had Bill Cobb, and I can imagine when Bill Cobb's been painted great pictures too. But sure. This was sketch. This was different, subversive, and uh, I'm proud that I, I'm proud that I liked it so much. I forgot about it. Yeah. It was dormant. Right. You know. No, I'm glad because I and I'm always happy. I, I couldn't. I will never get tired of talking about Cheech and Chong. Even again, like I said, not as a stoner. It's it's uh, yeah no it's it's art and it's fucking fantastic I'm glad I'm glad you're willing to talk about it and in some respects it follows the classic my my friend and I Vince Dovito are doing a show called Live from the Bowl mm-hmm. it's two bathroom brothers Frank and Hank and Frank Azzarito and we interview we used to interview celebrities at the LaGuardia Airport Grail Terminal Terminal Two <laughs> um, and against the unauthorized on the security camera now we bring the show live to you. We've had Ross Marquand and Jim Meskimen and Eric Bowser and Frontat Shore as our celebrity guests. Uh-huh. But right now we're trying to figure out the show works fine mm-hmm. because the talent is good, but we don't know what our relationship is. Okay. You know, we haven't figured that out. And this is Laurel and Hardy. This is Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Ostensibly Cheech is the straight man, mm-hmm. the smarter one. He's the Lou Costello, right? Mm-hmm. No. no hey Abbott. Yeah. He's the he's the Bud Abbott. Yeah, he's Bud Abbott, right. And he's the Stan. He's the Oliver Hardy. Mm-hmm. He's the straight one, mm-hmm. you know. And like you said, vaudeville. And uh, Tommy Chong is the Sonny Stanley Laurel. He's the <laughs> he's the Lou Costello. It's the, it follows a classic theme: Sw- yeah. straight man, smart guy, stupid guy, yeah. daring guy, cautious guy. It follows, and that's why it works. They're very it's amazing. Artistically placed in the right uh, in the right position, you know. Mm-hmm. They have that. And it's like, dude, I don't know. That's a fucking. It's a great idea, man. <laughs> it's a fucking great idea. No, I don't think they're fucking right, dude. You're fucking. Uh, no, that's fucking dangerous. Don't worry about it, man. We'll be fine. And you could probably see that really was their relationship. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Tommy, he said, was this big, strong guy. He and his brothers that would beat up people in the alley. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you beating? Because he didn't pay, man. Oh my god. You gotta fucking pay. Holy shit. Dude, you gonna fucking break his neck. There's a reality to you throwing him off the fucking second floor into a dumpster. Well, he, she said, I think he's all right. Oh you know, it kind of sounded like that was their natural dynamic already. Wow. Like, hey, man, can I fucking crash from you? For I'm fucking getting out of the Vietnam War. Yeah, man, you, you can crash. You could get in trouble. Yeah, well, probably could. There's probably all that shit was yeah, going on. Yeah. And then just fed into the relationship, you know. Yeah. Uh, to some extent, Cedric and I had that on 
on Reno 911. Yeah. I was sort of the older brother, serious type. He mm-hmm. was the I'll fuck anything type. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool, but not cool with my racism. I right. was the old guy. He was the young guy. Mm-hmm. I was the straight guy. He was the goofy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, big influence on my career for sure. And not not knowing that, again, that they followed the rules of those guys that, as we just discussed, preceded them. But sure. they did. They did it beautifully in that 1973 drug vibe. Because without that, it would have been just two guys fucking around in the studio. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And without Lou Adler's influence, like you say, of going, he probably did. He probably goes, you know, why don't you be a little bit smarter and why don't you be stupider? Mm-hmm. Why don't you, teach? you're the guy that's going to handle the great voices. You yeah. know, Tommy, you just hang right here. Yes. This, this is the way this is going to work. Uh-huh. You know, why can't we just fucking smoke high and say shit? No, you can, but that won't sell. Right, right. You know? Yeah. I just think, yeah, I, 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 we, you know, we had no idea. Of course not. No idea that there was actual work that went into this. But I'm, I'm guessing, like, I, my experience on Reno, thank God with Tom and Ben and Carrie and their editing team that they could piece it together. We're just having a fucking blast. Sure. Holy shit. I get to put on copy and form and, you know, they, they were probably thinking, we get to go in the studio and just do shit and play characters? And, yeah. Like, as we said, Lou is probably going, well, yes and no. You're right. <laughs> yes and no. You know that four-hour bit you thought was really great? It's 12 minutes and 44 seconds. Right. <laughs> what? Right. Wait. Oh, well, hey, that's fucking pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, so true. I would love to hear the original track. I know, I know. I'm hoping it exists somewhere. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, thank you for doing this. You're welcome. I don't know how this was supposed to go, but you know, like it's this, just... it's supposed to go like a conversation. You're supposed to tell me what you think of it, and you did, and how yeah. it influenced you. That's all that matters. That's what I'm. I'm, I'm blown away when other people were as influenced by Chichen Chong as I was. But you know, and, and again, I didn't know it. It just lied dormant until we talked about it again. And uh, I went, yeah. I didn't realize how much, like I said, of an old friend it was. It was my after-school babysitter, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm so revered the time I got. I have never met Tommy Chung, maybe in passing, but mm-hmm. I got to talk to Cheech Marin in the Yucatan about what an influence was. It's so now very, very special. So phenomenal. Yeah. Um, where can people follow you, find you? Uh, on Twitter, at Carlos Alas Rocky. On, I have two Facebook pages. If one is full up of friends, that's uh, there's one with a Garcia picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so on Facebook, uh, carlosalasrocky.com, I try to update. We will have a website soon for Live from the Bowl. Nice. Um, look for the movie Book of Life coming out. Uh, Halloween, it's great. Um, it's beautiful. Jorge Gutierrez is brilliant. I play General Posada, Maria. A couple other characters. Um, and Stephanie Miller on freespeech.org or Free Speech Radio every Wednesday morning coffee with Carlos. I'm on Stephanie Miller's channel 348 if you have DirecTV every Wednesday, schedule permitting from 8 to 9 PST. Awesome. That's where you can find me hanging out and creating voices. And I will end by saying... I just went to KLOS, KLOS yesterday to do Fraser Smith show from 96 to 97. I used to go, sign up with Stephanie Miller. I checked in with Stephanie Miller at 4.30. Mm-hmm. We would start to write sketches at 5, stop at 7. Chris LaVoy would produce them. And 
we would play them on air within two hours and we did lots of I did Janet Reno pre-Will Ferrell with, oh I'm good boy I'm gonna sandpaper my areolas <laughs> or, you going swimming Riley? it's my daughter she's going swimming uh, we did sketches where I played a crazy cat lady here boxcar here twilight here popcorn oh I'm dying Ka-dun-gum. so we did what they were doing and we were, quickly produce these little pieces awesome and you can find those look on stephaniemiller.com you can find some of those old really? bits directly derivative and influenced by Cheech and John of course that's awesome yeah. that's so good well thank you guys for listening thank you for being here and uh, well at your own house I keep doing it and uh, as always have a good thing on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com.